Welcome back, listeners, 94 by 50 fans, to the first episode of calendar year 2023. Uh, We're overdue for an episode. We haven't been with you since uh, we talked World Cup with our uh, friend and coaching and tactics expert, Sully. Um, But we're back here today to talk pro basketball and college basketball. Uh, And I'm here with Max, as always. What's up, dude? Yeah. Hey, happy uh, Jordan year, everybody. Happy Jordan year, MK. Good to be back. Uh, listeners, we've got a lot to catch up about. Um, a lot of college basketball and NBA news. Um, and just excited to be back into it with you. Let's, uh, before we dive in, let's, let's get into some, some quick hit news and notes. So, um, Let's start with Illinois. Sky Clark uh, left the program, um, and I believe is taking a break from school altogether. Um, Max, talk about the impact of his absence. Um, who might fill his playing time, and how he did in in the semester or so that we saw him. Yeah. So I mean, it, this uh, you know a month removed now. This this happened uh, early January. Um, Illinois was kind of in a spiral as a team. They weren't looking that good. Um, Sky Clark had a shoulder injury um, and was out for a game. Then there were some rumors kind of flying around that, you know, maybe he, he wasn't actually hurt. He had just lost his starting spot and was saving face. And then, it you know, those rumors kind of were put to rest a little bit because then he came back for uh, the – our, our January, our early January game at Northwestern um, didn't play all that great, but, you know, and did have the shoulder uh, brace on um, and then played that game. And then that was it. And uh, that seems to be his tenure. Now he has said he, you know, he's going through some personal issues. Um, Brad Underwood and the Illini team have, continued to say that he's part you know he's a member of the program and they'll treat him that way but I would expect to not see Scott Clark in an Illini uniform again um, obviously when you lose such a highly touted freshman um, you know one literally signed to Jay-Z's Rock Nation already um, it's a loss uh, but when it comes down to it the the good thing is, and again, it's easier to say a month out from now, the line have won seven of their last eight. They look like they kind of have their roles on the team. I think it's it's a crazy world with NIL. Sky Clark was making probably, I would, again, this is all speculation, but I would think the third most on the team behind uh, Matt Meyer and Terrence Shannon. Um, and he was not playing like the third best player. Uh, we have a highly recruited, uh, highly like talented uh, recruiting class of freshmen um, around him and sincere Harris, Jane Epps and Ty Rogers. And, uh, you know, sincere Harris and Jane Epps were arguably outplaying him. So it, it just felt like kind of things weren't settled. The roles weren't settled. Sky Clark came in highly touted and wasn't really living up to it while his other freshman peers were. Um, so I, all this to say, I wish nothing but the best for Sky. Um, he seems like a good young man who's very talented. Uh, you know, coming off an injury, I think there's going to be a place where he lands and he'll do very well. And on the Illini front, um, first sincere Harris was starting. Um, not a ton offensively, but defensively has been a spark plug, has led us to multiple wins with his energy off the bench or as a starter, um, really takes pride in the defensive end. Um, and for a freshman, is just just very just a dog on that end and will get on the floor and has been just a fan favorite already. And then uh, Jaden Epps is now starting and is a bucket. Uh, for a freshman, he's barely over six foot one, but can fill it up, uh, averaging, I believe, 11 points a game as a freshman, and now is getting more and more minutes. He's not afraid to shoot, uh, but doesn't take terrible shots. And something that I've really enjoyed is the the way that Jaden Epps is able to get into the lane. Um, he's not 
incredible at distributing yet once he gets into the lane and kicking it out. But he's a great finisher, and that was something that kind of Sky Clark was, you know, a spe- he's a big body, stocky guy. It was expected for him to be able to kind of cut into the lane at will, and that never really materialized, whereas with Jaden Epps, um, it's happening. So he's not he's definitely more of a combo guard, more of a scorer than a distributor. But if he continues to get in the lane, the distributing will come along. And as of now, a month later, you never want to see a guy leave, but the Illini are fine. So long-winded answer to say that it's been a month now. So far, so good. It seems like as of now, it's the best for everybody for Sky Clark to have moved on. And I just hope he's okay. And if it is a mental thing or, you know, a family thing, I just hope everything's all right. Which nothing but the best. Excellent summary. And you definitely uh, caught the listeners up who haven't been as tuned in in the past month. So thank you for that. Um, And just to put a bow on this discussion is, um, Sky commented to 247 Sports um, that his decision to step away has nothing to do with basketball, prioritizing himself and his family's well-being. So we wish all the best for him. And as you as you referenced too, he's had a lot of focus on him from a very young age. Um, signed to Jay Z's Rock Nation, committed to DePaul in eighth grade, uh, and then Kentucky, and then ultimately Illinois. Um, so was a really highly rated recruit dealt with a torn ACL as well that he was coming back from. So we wish, uh, we wish sky all the best in other news. um, Switching to NBA. Did you catch the Lakers Celtics game or see the highlights and the, uh, the blown calls that the refs admitted? Yeah, I I did see. um, I didn't catch it live, but I've, yeah, I'm all caught up with the situation and um we can go into this, but it's also, it, it has been, a, it seems like it's an ongoing problem. Um, I know Dennis Schroeder just went, posted to social media where he pointed out five different examples of these refs' mm-hmm. uh, mistakes. So I'll let you go into more detail there. Oh, not a ton to add. Um, I mean, the NBA released its, its two-minute report, um, acknowledged the mistakes it made, the referees, a union commented on this. I mean, these, these mistakes were pretty egregious, to be honest. Um, Jason Tatum allegedly should have been called for a shooting foul on LeBron in a last second layup attempt um, would have put LeBron to the line when the game was tied. Um, So it, I mean, it, it affects the teams. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I don't, I want to obviously hold referees accountable to make the right calls. This was a particularly um, poor, poor error, but in, in an 82 game season, these, these things are going to happen. It just happened to be um, in a key moment in the game, in a game between two high profile teams, one of which is, is really, uh, scratching and clawing for a playoff spot in the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the the biggest takeaway for me is just like I think there has to be some sort of um, like I think we like basketball refing. You know, it, it's it's been talked about before with the Donahue scandal, and you know, it's it's a it's a sport where it's very very hard to make certain objective calls like it feels like you could almost make a call on a foul on almost every play to the rim so there's so much control that the refs have and therefore I think something that I would want to see you know come from this that I I hear players talk about it just you know this review is fine but it's like there should be some sort of like fine or punishment kind of penalty situation for refs when they make a call that's like this poor. No, that's a good you know? point. I or mean, like if... a, a way to like handle this mid game to be like, oh shoot, 
you know, we, we made a bad call. Like we have, to, you know, like a way to fix this essentially, or a way to kind of penalize just like players get fined or whatever, you know, not to make it like a, a punishment thing. will fix this, but with the idea, like there, there does have to be some sort of recourse, which I think will make like the refs not, I think it'll make everyone feel better if really what the players and the fans are asking for is a little bit of accountability from the people who are trying to, you know, who are deciding these games. Yeah. And um, trans- transparency, transparency, yeah. accountability. Um, it doesn't, yeah. I mean, these refs aren't making a ton of money. It's not like you find them $50,000 for a game, but just things like, okay, Hey, you, you know, you were going to work four games next week. Now you're only going to work two. Because this yeah. missed thing or things like that. That's for the, the unions to figure out. But something I will say at, at the same time, like, you know, with Dennis Schroeder showing like, here's four examples where the refs got us. I think they can find a lot more examples where as a team, they just messed up. So it at the same time, like I, I don't like the whole idea of like they're ruining the Lakers season or they're like out to get them, you know, like that's pretty dramatic. Um. But I do think there are ways where the league can kind of step in and make some changes here for the betterment of everybody and the trust and the yeah transparency of the game. For sure. I mean, re- releasing the two-minute report is fine. But if you release the two-minute report and then wipe your hands of the situation without any change in action, that's to me, that's an issue. One, you know, maybe one option is giving – for every error that a referee makes during the regular season, that's, that's a uh, sort of strike against him or her being eligible to ref in the playoffs or something. Cause you want the best refs in the playoffs and you want to choose those refs in an objective way and say, okay, these men and women that we chose to ref the playoffs are the ones that made the fewest errors in the regular season. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's just gotta be ways to, yeah, you can't just release the two-minute report that says, oh, we made a mistake, you know, that's our bad, and then just move on. There there has to be some, okay, and how are we going to make it better? How are we not going to let this continue to happen? Right. Um, because, yeah, this isn't just an NBA. I mean, this is a college thing, too. There, I, I can think of two offhand uh, games in the, the Big Ten this year that, I mean, like just think that Minnesota – uh, Ohio State game out Ohio State game was a tie game with like five seconds left and the Ohio State player made a clean block on the gopher player and the gopher player went and shot free throws and won the game yeah. like this this is uh this happens at all levels and you know we're not nice to refs as a nation <laughs> I think that we have to look at that too of like refing is a very tough job if there's a little more respect tough gig tough gig Tough gig, you know, there's a little more respect behind it. There'd probably be more people who'd want to be refs. And then, so, yeah, there's no quick fix here, but there's definitely some solutions that should be starting to be talked about. Cause if this is a serious issue, they got to fix it. Yep. In other Lakers news, uh, a couple weeks ago, they acquired uh, former Gonzaga standout Rui Hachimura. Um, from the Wizards for Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. Um, interesting to me that Washington decided to make this move given they're in the playoff race too. Um, but I think he's a good fit for LA um, and Washington gets a little bit in return um, in, in draft capital. Yeah, I, I like this. I think Nunn just you know, Lakers fans weren't very happy with him. I don't think he ever felt comfortable. I think they expected too much from him. Yeah. You know, especially coming back from injury and everything. And so I think just a fresh start, none's a talented player. I, I think like going to a team like the Wizards and putting up stats and getting into a rhythm will help him get another chance at a contender later on. Um but I, I, on the opposite note, like I think Hachimura is, I've, I've liked his game for a long time now. He's really matured into a really talented player. And I think that he's ready to help a contender out. Um, now, if you look at what the Lakers really need, is, is this the missing piece to their season? 
I don't know, but I do think it's a positive and it, and it helps. Where, where are you at with the Lakers right now in terms of their, uh, just how they're doing. I remember in our, in our preseason pod, you said, quote, the Lakers will not sniff the playoffs. And I love LeBron. I don't see how this team could sniff the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pleasantly surprised with how they've been doing of late. 25 like and 28 look, listeners right now. 12 25 and 28. 12th in the West. I, and, and again, they're on a run. They were doing a lot worse before. So they, you know, this we'll see kind of like there's been this push of scoring for LeBron. Like I believe he's like 60 points away. We'll see if he keeps up the insane scoring once that is done. Uh, can AD stay healthy? Um, but I do think moving Russ to the bench, which I, I'm not sure, listeners, you'll have to tell me, but I do believe I push for that. Uh, Russ going to the bench yep, um, and running the second unit. And that has made a huge difference. Um, I mean, so, keep Max honest, just like the refs, if he didn't yeah, say that. Please, but I please, think he did no, say that. I, I think I did. And um, I just – I'm more of a believer in the Lakers now. They look like a not a great playoff team, but they look like a playoff team at this point. I think they'll make it, but I do think it'll be in the play-in game. And I wouldn't be surprised if – that's as far as they make it. They get to the playing game and go home. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, they're an AD injury away from giving up. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, the, the West is so bottled up right now. Uh, the Kings are third. <laughs> they have 29 wins. The Lakers yeah. are 12th and they have 25 wins. Yeah. It's, it's all a little crazy. Right so now. We'll get, we'll get into uh, our take on the West in a little bit, but though, um, and then in, in the last piece of news, let's, let's talk the latest, uh, bracketology that'll paint a picture of how the college basketball season is going. Yeah. And so this was obviously, oh, actually, so this one was updated. I was going to say the last time I had this, uh, updated, uh, Wisconsin was actually, um, I believe out yeah. So, um, so now they're they're still out, but their next four out. Yep. Um, so that definitely a big win. Um, we can get into that uh, last night, but let's just look up. So Wisconsin um, just beat Ohio State last night. We can get into that a little more as we like dive into those teams. But that did push uh, Wisconsin back into kind of the field in a, like right on the bubble. And then uh, Illinois right now they have as a five seed. Um, yeah, in Alabama, number one seeds bracket. Hmm. Yeah. So in Illinois is a five seed in the Midwest. Um, yeah, I, 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 we'll see. Um, so yeah, I guess let's, let's really get into our teams. You want to start with Wisconsin since they played last night and they're pretty fresh and had a good win last night. Ooh, um, a lot to say here. So I, um, I went to the Badger game uh, with family in right before New Year's. They were playing Western Michigan. Um, looked pretty good. Um, they, this was kind of their downtime in the Big Ten season. They played a couple of Big Ten games, then had some easier non-conference games over the holidays and winter break. Since that time, up until last night, they had only won uh, one game, which I think was against the Gophers at home. And the Gophers are not good, and they struggled with that game. Um, to me, like, they just they, – they started off well. The shooting has fallen off a little bit. Um, Tyler Wall was injured. The issue with the Badgers is, is – a severe lack of depth. I, I think their five starters are worthy of playing minutes on a Big Ten team. Um, but I mean, their bench is Johnny Davis, or excuse me, Jordan Davis, Johnny Davis's brother, who was initially starting and then removed from the starting lineup, um, and is a bit up and down. Uh, Carter Gilmore who 
um, is okay in terms of being kind of a Wisconsin system player, but poses no scoring threat um, and was a former walk-on. And then Kamari McGee, who kind of spells Chucky Hepburn at point guard, um, but is getting adjusted to major conference play after transferring from Green Bay. Um, and again, no scoring threat. And that was, that was really evident when Tyler Wall went down with his ankle injury. Um, we just looked really limited offensively. And I'll, I'll give them credit. Things picked up in the first half last night. We scored 40 points and a half for the first time all season. Um, and the difference to me was, was moving off the ball. Lots of curl screens, lots of cutting to the basket, um, lots of movement. And then I don't know if they get fatigued or the coaching. Um, Ohio State sort of adjusted their defense and the Badgers couldn't readjust. But in the second half last night, um, man, that was that was a tough watch. And we we grinded out the win, um, but only scored 24 points in the second half. Um, beat beat the Buckeyes 65-60. And yeah, it's uh, it, sort of an overall comment about the program is I think, um, I mean, we, we never have had the highest of recruits with a couple of exceptions like a Sam Decker or a Brian Butch or a Bronson Koenig. But what Bo Ryan did really well was improve players and by the time they were juniors or seniors at Wisconsin make them look like they were four or five star recruits would have been four or five star recruits coming out of high school um I think with NIL money and um the recruiting landscape these days guard has just fallen fallen behind in that respect uh, we have one scholarship freshman right now Connor Sejan who's been honestly really good and and has been an has been a great find for us um but none of the other relatively new players on the team raise a lot of excitement and i have concerns about the badgers being able to keep up um last comment i'll make because i know this has been a long-winded one is i don't think guard is on the hot seat um yet because we have been regular season Big Ten champs two of the last three years. Um, and he's been Big Ten coach of the year two of the last three years. But I'm – and even if we sneak into the tournament this year, they just – the Badgers team is – I mean, sure, their floor is high, but they just sort of fail to captivate an audience and fail to create excitement around them with uh, with how they play and who they're bringing in. Sorry, yeah, I mean, sorry, Badger fans. My my harsh opinion. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, you love this team, and it kind of feels like you're at where kind of I feel like the Bulls sometimes, where I'm like, it's it's kind of frustrating to be like, yeah, they're solid, but there's not a lot of hope for that next step. Yeah, you know, and. I, I think, I mean, ultimately, like, you know, this team, I'm in agreement. Like, I, I, I like the starting five. I don't think Tyler Wall is fully back from injury yet. No, he doesn't look either. like the same player. And, and he's one of my favorite Big Ten players. So I'm hoping that, you know, as we get into the rest of the season, he can get back to that. Um, I like Chucky a lot. You know, I think he's one of the best point guards in the Big Ten. Um, Klesmet obviously is a big um, return for you guys coming back in and he showed it at Ohio State hitting some big shots and and you know I didn't really notice it till you told me off pod about how good of a you know um, kind of exterior defender he is yeah and, and that's really showed and that's big to get him back you know I really like CE3 he's such a Wisconsin player he's going to be around for a long time most of the Big Ten's gonna hate him, but he's a lot of fun to watch, and I, and I really like how he plays and the confidence he plays as a as a freshman. You know, he I think he's gonna be a lot of fun. 
But yeah, I think, and this is something we've kind of talked about. This isn't anything new. We've talked about it since Bo Ryan kind of gave uh, guard the reins of like, if you're giving it to like Bo Ryan light, like you're not changing the, um, you're not changing the system. You're not, you know what I mean? You're just kind of keeping the train rolling then this is where it becomes a little hard to like, okay, now we're going to go in a new direction, you know? And so Wisconsin, the thing that is so impressive about it is I think your guys floor is so much higher than almost any program in the country, but the ceiling is not that much higher. Um, so to me, this looks like a, a, this looks like about the closest to a bubble team as you guys have looked in a while. Yeah. Um, I think you will get in. Uh, if we're looking at the Big Ten standings right now, you guys are, and it, and it is crazy, uh, you guys are 11th right now. Yeah. Um, but because same thing with kind of the Western Conference, there's a big jam. You guys are five and six. You know, sitting in fourth place right now is Indiana, and they're six and five. Yeah. So you're you're not that far back. Um, you've got some. You've got a schedule looking up here, um, where you can get some wins. You go home against Northwestern, uh, at Penn State, at Nebraska, home against Michigan. If you guys can at least win two, if not, not three of those four, and then split Rutgers, Iowa at home, you guys should be okay. Uh, looking at your your thing here, I see one two, three, four, maybe five more wins. I could easily see you guys sitting at 10 and 10, nine and 11 at worst. You win a game in the big 10 tournament. Um, I think you're, you're, I think you're a tournament team, but this might be a year where you guys don't even win the first round. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, those... this feels like an off year for the Badgers and it feels like there'll be a lot of talk next year. And then I think next year will be kind of the hot seat for guard. Because if he's got Chucky back, Wall's gone. It sounds like. Wait. Um. Well, he's a se- he's a fourth or year senior, so he could use his uh, extra year of eligibility from COVID. Yeah. So I could see next year being the the big year for guard. I could see Wall coming back, Chucky coming back. You'll have you know Jordan Davis. You're gonna have CE three another year. Klesman probably has one more year. Yeah, Klesman's or a junior. Yep. So I think you'll run it back with the same roster next year. And that'll be the big question. I don't think there's any way guard, no matter what happens, even if you, you know, fall off a cliff the rest of the year, I think guard's safe. Um, But I think next year you start to think about, okay, after this, this, you know, this team is gone. What, what is Wisconsin basketball look like? And right. I think next year is where you get a lot of the answers to the questions this year. I think it's just hang around the pack. Win, you know, win your games at the Kohl Center and and get, win a game in the Big Ten tournament and go from there. Uh yeah, no, I think that's well said. Let's uh let's switch to your guys, Illinois. Also, had... I was the last thing is like also Crowell too. You know, like technically your entire team can come back, and yeah. that's huge. I mean, you're seeing it with Northwestern too. They were picked very low in the Big Ten, and I think. They're, you know, regressing a little bit to mean, but it's still important if you have your whole team come back and get older in the Big Ten. That's, you know, that Brad Underwood says it all the time. Like, if you can get your team old, you're going to be good. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Yeah. The Badgers have a big game at home against Northwestern on uh, on Sunday, and they have a chance to make it two wins in a row against a Northwestern team that um, – has been playing well, but is going to be reeling a little bit after uh, a double-digit loss to Michigan last night. Um, let's switch to the Illini, who uh, have been kind of the opposite of Wisconsin. Started off the Big Ten season poorly, um, but have have had a string of wins now. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, kind of going back to this guy Clark situation. At that point, we have started uh, 0-3 in the Big Ten. Um, in our third loss being <laughs> our loss to uh, on the road at Northwestern. 
Um, it wasn't just that we lost. It was the way we had lost, especially after coming off, you know, big, you know, we've seen the, the team beat UCLA. We'd seen them go and beat number two Texas at Madison Square Garden, you know. Uh, we played on the road at Maryland and lost, and you can, can kind of accept that. We go to Madison Square Garden, beat Texas, and then we come home against Penn State, and we get trounced by, like, 20. And then we lose to Missouri by – we were down by 30 at one point. And then we go to Northwestern, and we lose. And then we – so it's just, like, it wasn't just – I was texting you how disgusted I was with this Illini – team because the talent has been there but it just looked like a team that didn't really care about each other it they weren't playing defense um and they just clearly didn't know their roles and something that was big with sky clark is they were trying to do this uh, on defense they were trying to do a you switch everything which if you're going to do that the, the the idea was that the line i are very big this year they're one of the tallest teams in division one um, you know, they've got three guys, six, six and taller in their starting lineup or four. I'm sorry. So their idea was they'll switch everything, create havoc. But with Sky Clark, just defensively, it wasn't there. It wasn't working. It was breakdown after breakdown. It just looked like a lost team. And on offense, they they just tried to spread out and they tried to do this thing called like organized chaos where essentially they just let the players do kind of whatever they want and make cuts and everything. And it just led to tons of just standing around and one-on-ones and terrible shots. So credit to Underwood. Uh, he made changes both offensively and defensively. Defensively, it's more of a man-to-man situation. They still switch and stuff, but it's a lot more locked in. And there's it's, yeah, the, 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 the switching has stopped as being as incessant because what it was doing is we the, the other teams would realize it and just switch around and for people who aren't as into basketball essentially the the issue with it is you switch around and you keep switching defenders and the offense knows that so what they'll do is they'll get they'll eventually switch it around enough where they'll their big man will be posting up against our point guard and it's an easy basket so if you're not communicating and you're not a team yet it's it's an impossible defense to run so cr- credit to underwood he switched that to more of like a man-to-man that's been going way better we're now number one in the big 10 in scoring defense at like i believe 64 a game we're top 10 in the country in scoring defense and then our offense has still been an issue as a three-pointing team we're not shooting as well as we could, uh, we're shooting 25% from three in Big Ten play, which is just horrific. And yet, at the same time, we're just jacking up threes like we're shooting 40% as a team. Yeah, you can't so play the same way you did last year when you had Plummer and Trent. Exactly. So that's something that needs to change. But you, you're starting to see with these with kind of players knowing their roles, you're starting to see – uh, Jaden Epps getting into the lane and he's driving to the basket. We've started to see Matt Meyer. He'll take some crazy shots, but he started to actually take it to the basket too. Terrence Shannon, it could be argued that one of the worst things that happened to him this season was going eight for nine from three at UCLA because I think he's settled for it a lot when he's so yeah. good at slashing and getting fouled. Yeah. Um, in Big Ten play, he's shooting below 25% from three. So that's something where, you know, last game, like, again, we're winning these games, but you, you watch Terrence Shannon chuck up like three threes in like five possessions when he's shooting that low. And then you see him next play go to the rim and get an and one and foul, you know. So it's it hasn't been the prettiest to watch, but they've won seven of eight. Um, the freshman class is incredible. Uh, Sincere Harris and Epps, I was saying, have been there kind of all season. And now Ty Rogers, uh, who's a top 40 player, played for Team USA this summer for the U18 team, won gold with them, uh, has come in and is a defensive stopper. He's People compare him to a Draymond Green. Uh, he's Jason Richardson, the former NBA player's uh, nephew. Mm. Uh, super uh, athletic incredible on defense as the body of a an adult as a kid you know and um 
really offensively just kind of the game slowed down for him so that's big and the last thing i would say um shooting has been an issue but there is some hope one i think it's and and i've listened to some alignment podcasts and it is kind of talking about like our shot selection like are they bad shooters or are they taking bad shots and i think right now it's more of the latter we're taking bad shots and then you've got players like rj melendez who is a shooter and he's just broke right now his shots broken it's just not going down but once he makes a few you know it'll be all right and then the last thing i did want to touch on just like for the future of our season, things seem to be right. We seem to have roles. I think we're going to lose a couple head scratchers. I think we're going to win some we shouldn't. This team, I believe, is the second best team in the Big Ten uh, behind Purdue. And I think that the rest of our season, it, it is, you know, barring some big injuries, should be pretty fun. I think we're a second weekend team in the tournament. Um, I think we're more equipped to play the style of the NCAA tournament as opposed to past years. Um, but really it'll be figuring out how to get good shots. Coleman settled down a lot. He's been incredible. And then, um, sorry, but the last thing I want to say is we have Luke Goody, a sophomore. He's, he broke his foot, uh, right away at the beginning of the season before he could play. Um, he's our best spot up shooter. And he's also just like a leader on the team. He was a quarterback in high school he he's not the most athletic but he's super smart he's you know he's never going to be a problem he's going to get rebounds he's a tough kid and we've definitely been missing him on the floor so getting him back with his leadership and his uh sharp shooting i'm pretty high on these the line i right now um we'll see how far they can ultimately go but that's my long-winded answer um we're an exciting team uh brad underwood has just brought so much talent to Champagne um, that not only this year, but the, the future of this team looks bright. Like I can't really say enough about this freshman class. And then having these transfers come in, in these new roles, you're starting to see them finally like turn into leaders, which, you know, Terrence Shannon and Meyer never had to do on their other teams. So I'm a, uh, it's a good time to be an Illini fan after a frustrating kind of uh, head scratcher of uh, December. Yeah. Yeah. We were texting offline. You were feeling good about it. Uh, Max, I hope you're comfortable with me saying this, but listeners, Max texted me that um, he feels so good about the Illini that if, if you place a bet on them and lose it, he will, uh, he'll personally send you a 94 by 50 lunchbox or something true i will yep if you put a bet on the illini to win the big 10 tournament this year and they don't lose we'll send out lunch boxes okay all right let's take a quick break and then uh oh yeah good clarification let's take a quick break and then we'll switch over to nba perfect guys welcome back uh thank you for listening to a passionate uh informative discussion on college basketball hope you feel up to speed with with the big 10 with wisconsin and illinois especially um but if you want any more takes just reach out um we always appreciate listener engagement yeah there was it was a lot to kind of fit in since we haven't done one in a while um, so definitely stuff we're missing and we didn't really touch on all yeah. the other contenders in the big 10, but we will, we'll do more as the, yeah. the yeah. postseason gets closer and the, the big 10 race really stacks up as of now, it's pretty much just Purdue and then whoever. Yeah. Number one in the country, Purdue. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're really on a roll. They, they've yeah. been impressive. Their, their freshman guards <clears throat> have been a lot better than yeah. I think anyone expected besides yeah. maybe Matt Painter. So. Yeah, kudos to them. But yeah, let's move to NBA. Yeah, yeah, we uh, talked about. Uh, minutes. Yeah, we talked about who the best team is in the Big Ten. We clearly think it's Purdue, followed by Illinois. Um, but 
we want to talk about who the best team in the NBA's Western Conference is, uh, because that is a little less clear. <laughs> um, we There's so many teams bunched up between the fourth spot and, and out of the playoffs. Um, Denver's in first. Do you think that they're they are also the favorite to get to the finals out of the West. Uh, I think, honestly, I do. As long as they can stay healthy, um, this this Denver team is just so good, and they they definitely, uh, they, they put it together, you know, but it's it, such a big question, you know. But if they're able to roll out Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and Murray and Aaron Gordon and Kentavious and, you know, it's... It, Bruce Brown, like they're tough to beat this team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it and it's a big if, but I I would have them number one, um, and then my other ones up there would be you know I'll put the Warriors as long as they're healthy, yep. and then um, I I really like the Clippers too. Just you know the load management thing is something I do want to get get to and talk about, um, and it, it, it's frustrating. But again, if, if they're healthy, that team, especially with, and I said this in our preseason or the last pod, just like the amount of time that they're, you know, six through 10 guys are getting um, in starters minutes. I, yeah. I think all that, like these last two years, I think all that will pay off this, uh, these playoffs. Yeah. Where, one interesting, yeah. one interesting point about um, comparing Denver to the rest of the teams in the West is um, their record against conference opponents, 27 and 10, pretty pretty dominant against the West. Uh, Memphis, who is in second in the West, only 15 and 16 against conference opponents. Um, so if regular season success against teams uh, that Memphis or Denver could play in the playoffs is any indication, um, I think... Denver to me has to be the favorite. Let's uh let's talk about the Kings a little bit. And we asked, are they for real? 29 and 21 right now. Um third place in the West. Do they have what it takes to get it done in the playoffs? Or are they a team that the Warriors or the Suns, one of these kind of sleeping giants, wants to see in the first round? I don't think any team will really want to see this team in the first round because I, I think this team is just so hungry. Um, they're they're young, but I, I do think I'm, I'm glad we're highlighting them. Um, I'm glad you chose to do this because I think there was so much talk when they got rid of Halliburton of how they were just giving up, you know, and they have this young superstar, like yeah. budding kind Who's of star. Who's an all-star, all-star to yep. his credit. All-stars Who actually are- wanted to be there. Right. In Sacramento, which historically has not been a thing. And to to break that up, but bringing in Sabonis, who's been such a steady player for the Pacers, such a great NBA player, you know, obviously from his lineage, his father. Um, but to bring him and get a new start, you've got Buddy Heald, who's turned into a really good veteran, along with Harrison Barnes. Um, I really like De'Aaron Fox. He's one of the most fun young players in the league. And I think he's really coming into his own. And then Davion Mitchell from the Baylor bears, like this, they're, they're a fun team to watch. I think they'd be like, if I was a Kings fan this year, I'd be pretty stoked about it. Um, Honestly, like just a lot of fun to watch. They care about, they play fun version of basketball. I like Rashawn Holmes a lot, but I think, as far as the playoffs come around, I still do think they're a team that it's more just making the playoffs this year. You know, yeah. I don't think it'll be as dramatic when the as when the Wolves did, <laughs> you know, but uh, won their playing game. But I do no, think uh, that no celebrating on the scores table for I, Kevin Herter. Uh, we'll see. I don't <laughs> think so, though. But I, I do think this is a team that will make the playoffs and then lose probably first round. But okay. I think they are a for real playoff team. And the West is so deep. And, you know, I, this feels like a team that, like, will win games all year round and and won't have the kind of struggles with injuries 
that other teams in the West might deal with along the way. Yeah, you just mentioned injuries. They had a, have had a bunch of consistency with their starting lineup. Um, yeah. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Keegan Murray have all started at least 46 games for them, um, and they've played 50 total. So they've been they've been really healthy um, and have had a nice balance in their starting lineup uh, with Malik Monk in particular providing some good scoring off the bench as a as a six man there. Um, yeah, I just like the depth of the team. They kind of remind me of a little bit better of a Utah team, you know, yeah. where like they don't have any like all star superstars, you know, like Sabonis was and Harrison Barnes maybe at some point was a on the verge of being one. Yeah. But they and Darren Fox is in a conversation, but they don't like they don't have like an AD or a Kawhi who like they get hurt and that's the entire season. I think the person who's most important would probably be Sabonis just because you have less big man help, but still like, I just, the, the depth of that team, you know, maybe they don't have the highest like level players overall, but they're all very good. And and I do like that about this team. Yeah. No Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis, is second on the team in points, leads the team in rebounds, assists, and blocks. Uh, actually averages an assist more per game than De'Aaron Fox. So he's, I mean. I mean, that's your key right there. Yeah. Then. Yes, they gave up Halliburton, but to get Sabonis back in that trade, I think he's he's become a really good player. Yeah. So moving on, because we do have a little bit. Shorter time. Let's look at the Bulls and Knicks yeah. outlook. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll start with the Bulls because it's a little quicker. Um, Bulls are frustrating. I mean, I'm kind of in the same place where I, I still think this team isn't it. I don't think this team fully works. So I would like it blown up a little bit. Yeah, but you, I do, do think you trade that, a piece before the deadline? Zach Levine? I will, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't think I think Zach's stuck, and I don't think that's the worst thing. Um, because I think Zach and Damar, I think there's been a little bit too much of like, oh, they can't play together when like I think they're both doing well, and I yeah. think they've found like that rhythm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because I do like Vooch, I think what you're gonna end up having to do is you trade Vooch and Caruso and you try and get a big man who's like just a rim runner, you know, big man. Like, honestly, Mitchell on the Knicks would be insane for us. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, Mitchell Robinson. And I think there's, like, that's the type of player I think the Bulls need to transition to. Someone who, you know, he doesn't need to be a scorer. He doesn't need to step out and hit threes like Vooch has. But he, we way more need the defensive rim protector. Yeah, we talked about that before the season. Exactly. And that's, I just don't understand the makeup of this team. Like we need a Robert uh, Williams or a Mitchell Robinson, someone who is good on defense and will hold his own. And then on offense can just uh, set picks and rim run, rim run and catch oops. So if that doesn't happen for this season, then I think it's, you know, we'll be lucky to limp into the playoff, the play-in game. And if we make it into the playoffs, I think we're a first-round exit. Okay. We're, we can get hot and we're good, but it just feels like Caruso's gone no matter what to a contender, it feels like. And when you lose him, our defense gets rougher. And so, yeah, it, it feels like you have to do something. You either have to sell out and kind of like rebuild or you have to go and – contend but if if the bulls don't do anything then i start to question this new management just like the old one of like what are we what's the plan what are we doing here because this team is an eighth seed you know yeah they're they're stuck in mediocrity i think in you know in the east of old the east of a couple of years ago they're probably a little bit better um but the east right now is is actually so so good with uh with Charlotte, with Boston, with Milwaukee. Um, well, and Brooklyn. that's what I would. Yeah, I will say, and I, I always Cleveland, have to like, excuse me, not Charlotte. Yeah, Cleveland. I, I do have to preface this, like, as a Bulls fan of late, like, I'm excited that we have a team that's, like, fun to watch, you know? Like, we are fun. We win some games 
that we probably shouldn't and we, but we lose some games we should so it i am thankful that we have a team like to me this bulls team is a playoff team but they're just not a contender okay and so they're kind of in that space with wisconsin where it's like okay well what are we really doing here yeah you know yeah so i either want to win now or start fresh if to I'm a, a certain if I'm extent a, yeah yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm at on it. Not a ton of new. I'm more just like TBD. Let's see. And I'm, you know, I'm enjoying watching, getting to watch IO, you know, last night he had 22 points tied his career high. So yeah, it's been guy. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about these Knicks? How are you feeling? You know, post trade we're at the all-star break. How are you feeling? Um, Not bad, actually uh, a little better than, than I thought where I thought they'd be at. Um, I've been happy with the Brunson signing. I think he's added a really steady hand to their backcourt, uh, and something they've missed with, with Kemba, um, who just was not the Kemba of old, unfortunately. And he had kind of had a rapid decline, which was, which was tough to see. And I don't think he's on a team right now. No, I've liked the Brunson edition a lot. Julius Randle is is closer to the level he was at two years ago um, and got elected to the all-star team. He's been good. Um, RJ Barrett is a little bit up and down, kind of streaky. Um, some nights he'll really have off shooting games. Other nights he, he plays like an all-star level player. I really liked um, what Hartenstein's been able to do. He was he was a good offseason pickup for us. I've been impressed yeah. with him. Mitchell Robinson um, is going to be out for close to another month with a thumb injury. Um, so Hartenstein's minutes and production have been key. Um, and yeah, I think Tibbs, Tibbs needs to also find a way to get the most out of his young guys. Um, we've seen with Tibbs, we're going to talk about load management a little bit. We've seen with Tibbs teams in the past that he has his core guys, um, who he just runs into the ground. Um, like he did with those, with those bulls teams. Um, and I hope we can balance wanting to win now with, uh, with, bringing some more guys into the rotation not bringing more guys into the rotation, but making sure we don't put too much on the shoulders of Brunson and Julius Randall, um, trying to find a way to get Obi Toppin involved more cam reddish involved more. Um, because those are guys that the Knicks have invested a lot in, um, they were high draft picks and we need to try to find a way to develop them and have them succeed, uh, for their own, you know, so they can fulfill their own potential and for the success of the team. But we're we're all right right now. We're twenty eight and twenty five, uh, sitting seventh in the West. Had a nice win at Miami last night. Yep. I think. I mean, not to add on too much because I think everything you're saying is like I. I was really big on. I think uh, the Brunson trade. I think is so important. You know, yep. as someone who watched the Knicks, just watching Julius Randle just like gasped by the end because he was taking it up three quarters of the game. You know. Yeah, trying to do everything and trying to slash and like to me that's just such a major thing. Uh, I I gotta say I really love Quentin Grimes. Um, yeah, yeah. His his skill, his confidence, like he's he's just been on one, and he you know it's weird to see because like to me I'm a, I'm a big Cam Reddish fan, you know, and I was kind of expecting more of that, uh, but it's been more Quentin Grimes this year. No, that's fair. That's a young guy we've hit on. He's oh. averaging 10 points a game. He's getting a lot of minutes. Tibbs trusts him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited about his future in the NBA. Um, he's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, I think you guys are definitely a playoff team uh, this year, and I could see you guys stealing a, a – you know, I, I don't think you guys are contenders either, but I do think no. you're better this year, and I think you've, you've kind of trusted the process in, in a sense, you know. And you've got these players who have been there for a bit now. You know, Fournier hasn't played a ton, but he can step in. And you've got these, you've got a good mix of young guys and veterans and a good coach in Tibbs. And 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 I do think this is the year that you guys get out of the first round, I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta we gotta keep winning the games we're supposed to win because we have a tough yeah. division. We're in, you know, yeah. Boston, Philadelphia, 
and Brooklyn are all in our division. So we're sitting in fourth, even though we have a winning record. Yeah. And I mean, it's tough, but I, I just feel like the Knicks are not a team that I'd want to see come playoff time. Just even just like going into Madison Square Garden, like it's just, you know, it's a different level. And yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, again, I don't think y'all are contenders, but I do think you're a little bit better. And I think you might surprise some people this year. Yeah. And I think the Knicks um, will be you, better too. I think the Knicks will be better too, playing as underdogs a little bit out yeah. of the spotlight two years ago. Yeah. Uh, listeners, you'll remember that the Knicks were the fourth seed, had a really good regular season, and then lost to the Hawks in the yeah. first round, a Hawks team that eventually made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I don't think they'll, there'll be as much expectation this year. Um, and there's already plenty of expectation playing in New York. So that'll be, that'll be good for them less pressure to play underneath. Uh, let's, let's quickly get into, to load management. Um, you had wanted to, to chat about this. What are the pros and cons? Um, should teams really be doing that if they want to, you know, give us the best product to basketball? Yeah, I just, so, you know, we'll finish this and then we'll take off listeners. So obviously feel free to write in or, you know, I kind of want to hear from you guys on this. I, it's just a topic that's come up a lot recently. And there's especially the older guys in the league, you know, really have a lot to say about it. Uh, Michael Jordan is famously quoted as saying, like, you never know what this kid, you know, is like, this is probably could be their only chance to ever see me come to Philadelphia and play a game, you know. So why mm -hmm. am I going to take, you know, who knows how much like the mom paid for the one ticket for this thing to see me play and then I'm just not going to suit up, you know. And I think part of it is like we look at these, you know, teams like the Clippers, you know, is a big one. They're, they're clearly they're a playoff team and they're not a team that needs to get a ton of games in this season as a team. But they kind of can, you know, wait for the playoffs. But at the same time, if you're some kid in Cleveland and, you you know, you bought tickets to watch Kawhi and Paul George and John Wall play and none of them do. Like, there's no way you're not going to feel some type of way because most people aren't buying tickets day of. They're buying them a month or two out or they're getting them as a birthday gift or something, you know. And and so I think that is tough when it's like, yes, it is the sport and it's competition, but there is the entertainment aspect of it, too, you know. So and I think one of the 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 better things I saw was from. I forget if it was KD who tweeted it or if he just retweeted it. But essentially, when the older guy's bringing up that, like, look, like, we have all this new technology now to keep players safe and we, we have all this science and stuff. But at the same time, I think it was Stan Van Gundy, actually. Yeah. He's like, how is it that, like, we're, we have all this load management, we yeah. have all this stuff, and still players are getting hurt at the same rate? Yeah. And, and so K something's KD not said, working. Yeah, Stan, Stan spitting. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So, and I and I do think there's like it's kind of the same thing with like the ref of like naturally this is going to be a situation and there's no right or fully wrong answer, you know. And obviously, I'm not just saying well players are played paid millions so they have to play and beat up, you know, none of that. But it is kind of silly when it's like okay, you know, these players are just not playing. And you're watching, I, I don't know, from the fan point of view, I, I would definitely be very bummed if I'm paying for tickets. And then I find out an hour before the game that my favorite players who I won't get a chance to see again for a long time, like aren't. So, yeah, just wanted to bring it up. I don't really know fully where I feel on it, but I definitely to me, it's like there is a problem and it needs to be solved. I don't know how to solve it but I do think there's a problem and I wanted to bring it up. And, yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling? If you could finish up your thoughts and what we'll get out of here, listeners. Yeah, real quick. I mean, I, I understand both sides of it and I don't mean to be sort of nonpartisan or indifferent, but, but I get, I get both sides of it. I think there's been a culture change now where the league's veteran superstars are, making load management acceptable across the league. Whereas, you know, guys like Isaiah Thomas, Magic Bird might not have felt like that, uh, Jordan uh, as well. Um, and, you know, when, where LeBron and Steph and um, 
other 30 something superstars lead other other players will follow because these guys have had such incredible careers and longevity so they're going to try to emulate them and if if that's quote unquote load management then then that's what you know that's what players are going to do they're going to do what they see working for other guys um but i you know i i get the frustration of if i'm if i'm eight-year-old Max Giles going down for my birthday to Chicago to see the Bulls and <laughs> you don't see your favorite player playing or, um, you know, if I'm, if my parents took me to Milwaukee as a kid and I didn't get to see Ray Allen playing when he was a buck because he's sitting the night out, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. It is, yeah. And, and again, I, I think they'll, they'll figure it out and no part of me, you know, I, I want the players to play safe and ultimately I would, you know, if it comes down to it where like it, I'd rather have a player who I love play 50 game seasons, you know, and play 15 of them instead of 10, 80 game seasons, I would. So mm-hmm. I, if that really is the case, but I, I think it's, it's up in the air. It's an interesting topic. Did want to bring it up. Listeners, let us know how it feels. And, you know, thanks for tuning in again. Hope uh, this was a good little recap of the last couple months. And we'll, we'll get one in sooner than later, too, as uh, we get into the All-Star game and you know, all of that. Absolutely. Uh, last last question yeah, uh, yeah. before we go very quickly. Is uh, McClung winning the slam oh, dunk I was, contest? I was just going to say that. Are you asking me or are you asking the I'm listeners? I'm asking you, yeah. Oh, I'm, he's 100% winning. I think he is too. All yeah. right, listeners, write us in. You tell us our thoughts. Yeah. Have a blessed day. Stay well. Uh, Stay with February. McClung. Stay McClung, folks.